Hello and welcome to the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson, the podcast designed to give you all the financial advice you'll ever need. This is episode 114, where in a moment we're talking about a topic called food for thought. Eat well, spend less. Sounds interesting. More in just a moment. But please bear in mind, if you have a general financial query, you're in the right place because we have an enormous resource of free advice right here. And you can access it all simply through delving into our back catalogue of shows. Because in our programmes to date, we featured loads of stuff. Pensions, investing, wills and powers of attorney and heaps more. You name it, we've done it pretty much. And last week we were chatting responsible loans with Neil Caricature of Credit Spring. Remember, we can drill down and focus on pretty much anything forensically. Find the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts, and you'll get us there. As I say, an enormous resource, all available for free. Find our previous shows after listening to this one and have a binge on what you need. While you're there, if you could rate and review us, for instance, you could tell us what we need to address to help you out and follow the show. And then that way, you'll get that episode when we record it next time. I'm John Ellis. And with me today, the star of our show, Phil Anderson. Hi, Phil. Hi, John. How are you? Good, thank you. Now, this one's called Food for Thought. Eat well, spend less. What's going on, Phil? Not content with the financial world. We're now taking on Jamie Oliver. What's the story here? (laughs) No, I just felt, I was like, well, healthy eating is important. But I think going through the podcast today, it's also trying to show people that healthy eating doesn't have to be expensive. I know a lot of folk associate healthy eating and healthy foods with being probably more expensive. But hopefully this podcast, I'll just give some people some ideas just how we can help them eat well and, and keep their costs down. And at the minute, keeping costs down, it's so important for many of our listeners just now. Mm, exactly. I wonder where we start with this. I mean, you hear all the time about how the rate of inflation is affecting everything, obviously, including the, the food staples we stick in the shopping basket or trolley. I can't quite remember what they were saying in the news the other day, but I think it was something like some items are now two to three times the price they were at the start of the year, which is increasingly difficult to weather. And the thing with that, Phil, is there's always a slightly cheaper alternative which isn't as good for you, and you end up eating, well, entirely the wrong thing. So these are your 10 tips to eat well for less. Where are we starting? Yeah, I would say that, that like tip number one that I've got is make a meal plan, especially for your, your main meals. They, they always say by failing to prepare, you're preparing to fail. Mm. That's a, a Benjamin Franklin quote, but it's so true. But just by, I, I don't know, like if, if you've got, like a specific meal plan in mind, it means that when you shop, you're shopping for specific items and you're not just throwing anything in your trolley that you don't need. So when you are shopping, try and keep it healthy and, and don't deviate from the plan. Yeah, I'm actually all right for that. It's my wife and the kids that are murdered. I mean, I'll turn the trolley at the corner of an aisle, glance at anything. Oh my God, I've got someone else's trolley. I didn't put half this stuff in there. And it turns out it was them. I'll tell you another, right? You see, when you go to a shop in somewhere like Costco or, or Macro, they are experts at putting temptation in your path. You go in for a loaf and, you know, a bit of fruit and you come out with an air fry and a basketball net. It's crazy. That's <laughs> that's why I get sent in. I'm like a Navy SEAL. I'm on a mission. I stick to it. So anyway, you make a meal plan, you stick to that. What's tip number two, Phil? I, I would say tip number two is write a shopping list and check what you already have at home to avoid buying things that you don't need. I mean, I, I know exactly what it's like. I go around various <laughs> shops and I go into a shop for one thing and come out with 10 other things and forget the thing that I actually went in for. But I, I love a list. I, I think if if you make a list and you're specific with, with your list, it really helps you stop unnecessary spending. So that, that's one of the key tips I would say is 
when when you are going shopping, write that list and make sure that you you stick to it and and try and avoid all the. I mean, that's one thing. All these shops, they're so clever. They've got items in certain places to make you pick mm. things up. But it is, it's stick to your list. And that that's definitely a, a good tip when you're shopping. I enjoy a list too. I think that goes back to the sort of goal planning thing, doesn't it? But again, we're terrible for this. My wife always says, well, it'll be good to have a spare in the cupboard. Yeah, because who knows when you might need a teaspoon of fish sauce from that second litre bottle you've got when we do that recipe again. The next one is important, I think. What's tip three? Tip three is select a time of the week when you're not in a rush to do your shopping. Hmm. Why is that so important, Phil? I mean, is it just so it doesn't end up being like one of those sort of one-minute trolley dashes where, where you end up with everything you don't need and, and nothing that you do? Yeah, the, the good thing about having plenty of time on your hands to, is that you can look at prices, you can examine labels. So it gives you more time. To, rather, and if you're in a hurry and in a rush, again, you'll just sit, right, I'll have this, I'll have that. And you might even still have a list, but it, it gives you... I don't know, you can compare things. You've got time to, to kind of compare exactly what you're buying to make sure you're getting, I like, either looking at the cost of the items or the kind of nutritional values in, in different things. Here's another good one, Phil. Tip four. Yeah, tip, tip four. If you can avoid it, avoid shopping on an empty stomach. Because oh. um, I, I find, I mean, that's one speaking from experience. If I go in anywhere <laughs> and I'm hungry, I always come out with an awful lot more. Whereas if I go do my shopping after I've just eaten my main meal of the day, I always buy a lot less. So I, I would definitely say consider shopping after you've eaten. Absolutely. Tip five, this is interesting. Yeah, coming back to the, the kind of, I mean, I was going on about examining labels, but You've got to be aware that special offers aren't always the, the cheapest option. And, and, and it's good to be able to read a label properly. What, what you will find when you go into supermarkets, it'll have the price on the, the little label. But it'll also, the, the supermarkets also use what's called unit pricing when you def- decide to buy which product. And usually on the pr- price labels, it'll normally say things like what the the price is per 100 grams of the item or per kilogram or whatever weight that, that mm. they're using. So look look at that labels and, and that'll help you kind of try and get the best value for things because sometimes you're looking at the price and you think, well, this one is 50 pence per gram. This one's 70 pence. I, I suppose as well, not only looking at the labels, but looking at the quantities because sometimes if you buy bigger quantities of things, the price per unit can be less, but then you've got also weigh up and think, do you actually need that item as well? Yeah. So look, looking at the prices and, and reading that price labels is something that I, I've done a lot in the past in supermarkets. So I've seen it time after time where sometimes you just think, oh, that one looks to be a better cost, but often it, it's not. Uh, I think if you see an offer and it's it's you know, almost in lights and it, this is half price or two for the price of one, which is the same thing. Yeah. Uh, then, then my wife will buy it regardless of what it is. <laughs> and, mm. I'm, and I'm sorry to come down on it, but, but she, I mean, she is literally wired to respond to that. Yeah. So that's a good one. What, what's number six, Phil? Number six I've got here is ask a member of staff at your local supermarket or, or food store. What time a lot of places will do like, fresh food reduction time. So maybe at nine o'clock in an evening, the food that's out of date in the next day or two, they'll put in a certain shelf. I know I've, I've been in our, our, we've got a local Tesco um, and I know they, they do, they've got an actual shelf for, for things, maybe like bashed cans and, and stuff like that. I'll, I'll always look at that, but they've also got a section in their, their fridges where 
stuff that's going out of date soon. And you'll usually find that a lot of shops will tend to put, do it at the same sort of time. So if you find out, and let's say they're doing it at eight o'clock at night, you go in there five past, ten past eight, you might get yourself a bargain on, on some quite like still fresh food that's that's in date as well. And and like I said earlier, avoid purchasing more than you need or more than you can store. And that's another kind of important thing, but um, we'll probably touch on freezer use coming up in the next moment or two as well, I'm sure. Do you know, my, my Auntie Margaret was a master of what you're talking about there. She would always shop in the early evening, like you said, because she knew that was when stuff got marked down if it hadn't sold. But even better, she also knew that most of the time, the people marking it down at that time of day were kids that she could intimidate. So they would mark down, you know, like, like a chicken and they'd stick it back in the fridge and she'd pick it up and she'd look at the price and then she'd look at the kid and she'd say, is that the best you can do? And 99 times at 100, you get like another 30p or 50p off. Okay, uh, that's tip six. What's number seven, Phil? Yeah, but for, for tip seven, this is quite a good one. And, and what I've put down here, Value brands often taste just as good, but they're a lot lower price. And I've got some examples of that. I mean, we, we where I stay, we, we've got a local Aldi in the town that I stay in. And I always laugh because you go in there and they've got things, the, the names of things are very similar. <laughs> it's close, so isn't it? Yeah. It is. And, and yeah, I wonder how they get away with it. But like they, they've got, instead of penguin biscuits, they, they sell seal bars mm-hmm. and it's like, it just, it's so stuff like that. And um, as well, instead of Nutella, they, their sort of own brand one is called a nut, nut cotta, I think it's called, <laughs> like a chocolate spread. <laughs> and you just think it, it's so close to, yeah. to, to what they're meant to be intimidating. But, you know, when you actually look at the prices of these things, it, it can save you quite a lot of money. These are not really healthy eating ones, but this is the sort of things I end up with in my basket because I've got the, the kids. But <laughs> yeah, we, we've got like if you go to some shops, you get that palm bear crisps. Yeah, now they're for for six packets of them, they're thirteen grams a pack. You're one pound twenty five for that. Like the Aldi, kind of. There's I will say there's other shops available as well, but I'm just using this as an example. Mm-hmm. But their own brand thing is called Snack Right. And they they call it Teddy Faces. Now, <laughs> get six nineteen gram packs, so it's slightly so there's slightly more crisps in it. But they, theirs is only one pound nine. So yeah. there's a like just, just that one example. You've got a wee bit of a saving. Come, coming back to the old seal bars, <laughs> I, I was having a look at them. You get eight seal bars for eighty nine pence, whereas an eight pack of penguins is one pound fifty. So it's wow. It's not quite half price, but it's a lot different in the weight. Again, when you're looking at like the weight, the cost per gram, it's cheaper and you actually get more grams for your, your money as well. And then going back to that um, Natoka, 400 grams of that just now is costing £1.25. By the time this podcast goes out in a week or two, it might be <laughs> £1.55, but you never... Um, like three 350 grams of Nutella... It's usually £2.75. At the moment, one of the supermarkets has got a, a club card deal on, so you can get it for two quid at the moment. But that's for 350 grams, whereas 400 grams of the Nutoka, uh, I'm getting tongue-tied there, <laughs> it's only £1.25. So what you will find, a lot of these 
products, there's not a lot of difference in the taste. You you do get the odd thing. I mean, there, there's certain things that I'll say to my partner, it's like, look, didn't I buy that cheaper alternative because it doesn't quite taste the same. But nine times out of ten, these things do taste mm. much the same as the mm. products that they're almost imitating. So I, I would definitely say looking at the value brands, they can often taste just as good and often at a, a fraction of the price. Never in a million episodes, never mind 140, never in a million episodes did I think we would get on to talking about Teddy Faces and Seal Bars <laughs> on, on this show. Uh, but you're right, I, I think most of us wouldn't know in, in taste tests. Someone once told me, I, I don't know if this is right or how true it is, but they said when supermarkets look to make like their own version of something like, well, we'll use cornflakes as an example, right? Yeah. They go to Kellogg's and ask them to do it, to make it, to change the recipe slightly. So, you know, use slightly different ingredients to make it for less cost. And then they just badge it up with the supermarket name because who else would the supermarket ask than the people already making the stuff in the first place that are good to go? It works out for both parties. I don't know how true that is, but it's something I've heard on a number of occasions. Tip number eight's next, Phil. Yeah, I've heard what you were saying there. I've heard similar things to, to that as well. And somebody once said to me, it's like the, the products are very similar, but it's because the branding's different. So instead mm. of a fancy box with a, like the chicken logo on it, you've got just a more plain box with just a bit of text. But I, I don't know, quite quite often, a lot of these things do not have much difference in, in yeah. the taste. Yeah. But tip, tip number eight, I, I've put down local food markets. They, they offer locally sourced foods, which are, again, usually sort of really good value for money. I mean, I'm, I'm very lucky. The town that I stay, we, we've got a farmer's market on every second Saturday, and it's great. I, I find it to be great value for money. And I suppose there, you're almost cutting out the, the middleman in a, a way by going to these sort of farmer's markets and things. So if you can find local food markets, that can sometimes get you like locally sourced foods, which can sometimes be really good value for money as well. Absolutely. And keeping keeping the money in, in the local economy. And, it's you know, you're talking about the uh, the farmers' food markets there. It's probably going to be one of few places where you can get eggs in, in the next week. Well, I know. Super- egg is crazy. I've sort of run out. I like rations on eggs yeah. almost at the moment. Supermarkets are struggling. But now, my sister-in-law has a, a few local fruit and veg shops in the borders called The Purple Plum. They're out the door with folk, which just goes to prove your point when you're talking about locally sourced foods, because these people, they know they get a good deal in there and they know exactly where that food's come from. It's all the local yep. farms around about. Also, at the end of the, the village where I stay, Phil, there's a guy now and he's taken on like a, a allotments a bit bigger yeah, from the, the local laird. And he's got all the veg of the day growing there. And you can go online and sort of click what you want and then go along and collect it. And he's left it out there yeah. in like a brown bag for you. And I think that's fantastic, all that sort of yeah, stuff. A lot of, people will, a lot of people will grow their own products and stuff yeah. as well. And that's a great yeah. way to, I mean, that, that's a great way to, to get the things that you want, but at a fraction of the, the cost as well. Absolutely. Tip number nine, Phil. I've got cheaper products aren't always at eye level or positioned, obviously. But when you go into a lot of the supermarkets, what they will do, you, you want to check out all the shelves. They, they're very good at putting things at eye level. The, the things that they want you to buy, they'll, they'll put at a certain level because they know that's where most people will, will kind of go to. But again, when you go into supermarkets, check the top shelves, the bottom shelves, because you can, you can often get sort of bargains on there and, and items that are maybe at a better price or, or better for you. So keep that option open when you are going around and doing your, your supermarket shopping. 
Mm-hmm. That's what the kids are for. If you've got to take them with you, make them be useful down there. And finally, number 10. I, I love shopping local, and I always try to do that wherever I can. But one thing I would say is that for, for tip number 10, I've put larger supermarkets often offer a better range of products. And because of their size, they can often get things at a cheaper cost. So whenever you are doing your main shopping, I, I've kind of put there, you're better using the, the bigger sort of chains of supermarkets. But what I'm kind of meaning by that is more, you might have like, not so much a small independent corner shop, but you, you've got a lot of, I know locally, we've got a lot of things like Aris McCall shops and cooperative stores. And, and these sort of shops are more for convenience and, and if you do your main shopping there, you're going to pay probably an awful lot more. Mm. So for your main shopping, the larger supermarkets can be be good for that. And I know I, I've been guilty in the past. Sometimes I think, right, there's a shop that's just convenience. I'll nip in there. Pretty before you know it, you spent maybe 40, 50 quid on, on messages. Whereas if you go into the, like, say your Tesco's and Asda's and some of that bigger stores, quite often you can buy the same things for, for a lot less and mm. in, in places like that, but it's just being savvy um, and, and just thinking about what you're you're buying as well as as half the battle. Your messages—that's a good one. I haven't <laughs> I haven't heard that in a wee while. But wait, get my messages. Good stuff, Phil. Now, any other general tips? Yeah, I, I've got a few. I mean, look, like coming back to the the kind of healthy eating aspect. I mean, but one thing that I often say is like you you want to buy sort of seasonal fruits and vegetables because at the season that they're in, there are a lot more widely available and again they're they're going to be less expensive at that point so for example during the summer you've got a lot more strawberries available at that point in time parsnips in winter what, one of my favorites just now is it's a good time of year for for tangerines oh, so that's one of the fruits that i like to, to eat so them. you tend to find that supermarkets just now will, will have stacks of them in and whenever the i suppose when it comes to supply and demand in times when supply is high the costs are going to be be less or, or better for you. So that, that was one kind of tip for more like healthy sort of mm. eating. Same as well, like consider loose produce. I mean, if you're buying, for example, apples, if you're buying it packaged, it's maybe in packs of four or six, but you maybe only need two. So so you can buy them loose. And again, that'll quite often be, be sort of cheaper as well. I, another tip that I've kind of always look out for when I'm in supermarkets is you'll, you'll get some supermarkets will sell like what I would class as almost like wonky fruit. So <laughs> you've got some items that are maybe a bit out of shape, or but they, they can often be cheaper, but they just taste exactly the same. So yeah. again, I, I always kind of look out for that kind of shelves in, in supermarkets or same as well. I mentioned this like in our local Tesco, they've got an aisle or a, a section with like all these cans that have been bashed and damaged products, but underneath it all, there's nothing wrong with them. They're fine. So if you can save a bit of money on on things like that, it's great. And another tip that I always say to people, it's like, remember the freezer is your friend and consider things like frozen fruits and vegetables. If if they are cheaper, that can be a good alternative as well. And it's always great to, instead of wasting things, freeze it where where you can and and use it at another time. Absolutely. When you were talking there about buying things loose, uh, another advantage of buying it loose is you're not taking all that packaging that you get if you go and buy, you know, the the, the pack of four, which is good for the environment as well. And I do like a bit of wonky fruit. It's the sort of stuff that used to appear in Esther Ranson's That's Life on a Sunday night. Oh, it's a (laughs) carrot that looks like it. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Now, uh, Last of all, Phil, in the run-up to Christmas, I mean, it's, it's a time 
where people are struggling. Uh, what about after all this? If you're still struggling, you've done all the tips, you still can't make what you're bringing in stretch for the week or the month for food anymore. Is there anything else that you can do at that point? Yeah, I mean, a, a good website that I always point people to, there's the Money Helper website. It, it's really good because you can go on there and it'll help you with things like budgets and and that. And it, it can also point you in the direction of places that you can get help as well. And what one such place is like so the, the citizens advice, they can help you understand like what support you might be entitled to and how to make the most of your money. A lot of people I know have, have gone to food banks. That's another place that, that you can can go. Again, it's like trying to find your your local ones. I mean, we we've a few. I, I know in Aberdeen, there's a couple of places. One of the local churches close to where I am, they've got a, a food bank there. So that that's other kind of places that people can go if if they're really struggling. It might also be that if you're pregnant or you've got young children, you might be eligible for what's called healthy start vouchers. So that that's other kind of help that's available for people as well. So times are tough just now and. It's good to know that there are kind of options out there to try and help people who are finding things difficult just now. Absolutely. And it's also a time of year where, you know, on top of things being difficult, we do usually end up spending more on everything, including food, often because we've got more people than we do for normal meals. Any tips around the festive season, Phil? Yeah, and coming back to one of the old podcasts that we did, I was having a look, episode 63, where I recorded that over a year ago now, wow. how to keep Christmas costs down. That was an excellent one. And, you know, coming up to Christmas, it's it's really relevant still at the moment. So there were some really good tips in there to try and help people keep their costs down this Christmas. But a few of the ones that was in that episode to do with around food, again, make use of your freezer. You could buy a frozen turkey and then that could save you money as opposed to buying a fresh one. So that, that was one of the tips that I shared in that episode. Freeze your food after Christmas. So again, like leftovers, if you can freeze it, that can help save you money there. And then again, one of the other tips I shared in that episode was make things yourself rather than buying packaged or like pre-packaged items. So if you, I mean, not everybody's good at cooking, but if you can do that, I mean, I know I love, I'm a man that loves a takeaway, but my partner Ruth lately, she's been great. She's been buying things like noodles and Curries, making it herself, and, mm. and you know what? Sometimes it can taste just as good as the the takeaway. Usually, a lot healthier than the the takeaway options. So, as it's other tips that folk can do as well, like reduce your portion sizes. It, it, there's a lot of different tips when it, it comes to food, but I, I know certainly they, that, that's a few of the, the things that I do myself. Just uh, going back to the idea of, of Christmas food and a tip for you, if you're cooking sprouts, you should have them on by about June and that way they should soften up just in time for the Christmas uh, the Christmas <laughs> meal and not be like cannonballs like they can be. L- let's do this bit now. Okay, um, Phil's quote of the week, fans. This is the part of the show where Phil delights us with a quote on the relevant subject topic for the show now because he's always loved and benefited from an inspirational quote throughout his life this week phil food for thought eat well spend less what have you got in that i've got a, a gordon ramsay quote this week <laughs> i thought that I'd, I'd get one for him since he's a a chef and into to foods put your head down and work hard never wait for things to happen make them happen for yourself through hard graft and not giving up and i, th- I thought it was quite a good one for this show because 
It is. You, you've got to do the, like to save money on things like your food bill, you've got to do the, the graft yourself and, and often look at it and spend the time looking at price labels and, and that sort of thing. And nobody does it for you. you you've mm. got to kind of put in the graft yourself and make it kind of happen. So uh, that's that was the, the quote of the week this week from Gordon Ramsay. The hard yards, as they say in the States. And, and yeah. uh, also, that's a unique quote from Gordon Ramsay because it's about three or four sentences that he spoke there without even swearing, which is unheard of. <laughs> now, Phil is really keen on trying to help you with your query. So if ever you want to email a question to us, please do. And as always, we can ask it anonymously if you prefer. Let's get on to this week's contact details in a moment. I'll give it to you after these. Hi, Phil. I've never asked for a mortgage repayment holiday in my life, but I know I could use one after Christmas just to make sure I can get by. Are lenders still offering this like they did through COVID? And if so, will it affect my credit rating? Payment holidays usually won't impact your credit rating. What you will find is if you take a payment holiday, you'll end up paying a bit more back kind of in the future. You'll end up paying a bit more interest usually there. But what I would say is if this is available to you, it'll really depend on who your lender is. Some lenders are, are more flexible than others and each lender, they've all got different criteria and lending policy around this. So it, it maybe seems a bit of a cop-out, but what I'd be saying is go back to your lender and just see what options they've got available to you because it does differ greatly from company to company. Okay, next up, here's one about life insurance. Well, and mortgages, I guess. It's from Keith in Edinburgh. He says, hi, Phil. As part of my mortgage application, I've been told I have to have life insurance. I've had it before, but let it go when things became a wee bit tighter. Now I have to get it again. With mortgages going up, will life insurance be through the roof too? Years ago, the, the, some of the lenders used to make it a condition that you had to have life insurance, but that's one thing. It's not mandatory that you've got to take it out. Okay. In most cases, it's going to be advisable for folk to, to consider it and, and look at it. So that, that was just one thing that I, I would highlight there. But, but what you will find with, with life insurance, the cost of life cover hasn't really risen recently. It's one of the few things that has not really rocketed up in, in price and one of the reasons for that is that on average, people are kind of living longer. So it means the insurers are paying out less claims. So in some cases, the cost of life insurance has actually come down a bit. But one thing I would say is that the older you get, usually the more expensive the, the cover will get because your age, you're more like the older you get, more likely you are to make a claim. So as you get older, the costs of it are likely to be, be higher. And also, as you get older, you're more likely to have more kind of ailments and things wrong with you. And when you apply for life insurance, the companies will look at your health and, and kind of well-being. So if you have had any kind of issues with, with your health, that can impact on the premiums that's offered to you as well. So usually the younger you are when you take out a policy, not, not so much the better, but I suppose it's try to take out a policy that meets your needs at the time. But um, we, we do have, uh, again, go, going on the our company website, if you go on to philandersonfinancial.co.uk slash insurance, we've actually got a real good, almost like a ready reckoner thing where it'll calculate things like how much cover you, you perhaps need. It can give you indicative terms as to how much it'll cost. So it's a really handy tool for, for people as well looking for life insurance. Just going back to the idea of mortgage lenders, so it's, you know, advising you have life insurance. I'm assuming the idea of that is that you take out enough insurance to cover the cost of the house in the event of your death. Yeah, I mean, for, for a lot of people, if anything happened to them, the property gets sold and the lender would get their money back that way. 
I suppose life insurance all comes down to your needs and, and personal circumstances. So if you're a single person with no dependents, your need for life cover probably isn't as great as somebody that's got three kids and is married with a like a, a partner. So it is, it's all looking at your, your own individual circumstances to, to kind of weigh up. See, going back years ago, I remember some financial advisors would get people, like you'd maybe get a young lad would come in and they'd say to him, look, take out life cover now because it's cheaper when you're younger. And also it means that if for any reason you kind of get covered in the future, you would already have covered in place. And mm. quite a few folk that was in that position, they, they, they actually got claims for being missold the cover because the, the ombudsman looked at it and said, well, you didn't really have a need at the time you took it out. But really the, the advice wasn't that bad because folk would have the cover in place. And then, like I say, if anything had happened to them health-wise, they've already got that cover in place. So I, I don't know, it's good to, to look at it. And, and life insurance is such an important thing, but it's really looking at your own circumstances to see, establish what your needs are and how much cover you, you really need. Okay. Would you say as well, before you uh, get in touch with the question, you might want to take a look at our back catalogue because we've covered a lot of topics now and we might have touched on what you're interested in. You've heard us referring earlier to some of our previous shows. I'm John Mellis. Thanks for joining us for episode 114 of the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson. If you feel you need a helping hand with anything we've been discussing or anything else of a monetary matter, find Phil for finance. Search Phil Anderson Financial Services online or join the Facebook group for the show. Search Personal Finance Community. That's Personal Finance Community on Facebook. Phil's on Twitter and LinkedIn as well. Or you can email Phil a question you can answer on a future show. His address is phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. That's phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. Send him your question and Phil could be answering it in an upcoming podcast. And please be assured we will not use your real name if that is how you prefer it. Remember, if you found this useful, please rate and recommend us and please follow us on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts and that way you'll get us every week with the info you want when you need it. You'll get all the links you need on Phil's social media. Good luck with your money. Phil's doing his best to help make that cash go further. We'll see you next time and thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.